With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. For sure. 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 Welcome to another episode of For Sure, a 200-foot podcast. I'm Peter. Uh, I'm Peter. Jay, dude. Hey. Hey. Uh, m- remember when I said we are going to start recording? Like, what? D- Pete, yeah. hang on. Hang yeah. on. Hang on. Okay. Oh, d- oh, I almost scored. All right. Okay. Well, all right. Are, are you playing NHL while we're recording? Uh, this is ridiculous. Uh, okay, this is embarrassing. Um, the answer is yes, but no. Oh, oh okay. Wait. Uh, so um, I, I just got finished teaching 1984, so I'm able to process that. <laughs> um, but for the for our listeners who aren't as skilled in doublethink as I am, uh, what what the hell is going on right now? Okay. All right. So I I mean, all right. I guess I'll just say so, Pete. I've I've like many others, been uh, suddenly stricken with uh, an obsession, uh, not unlike Captain Holt in Brooklyn Nine-Nine uh, reaching uh, Cupcake City in Quasi uh-huh. Cupcakes. Oh, my um, God. I have I have been now uh, stricken with uh, just, just this form of obsession that is uh, commonly now referred to as Puzzle Hockey. Um, I was uh, skimming the old Facebook feed the other day, which I know, I know, I know is dangerous for your health these days. But uh, like uh, all things Facebook, they uh, throw things in there that you don't really expect, which uh, a.k.a. ads. (laughs) Yeah. And um, I I saw an ad for this thing called Puzzle Hockey, officially licensed by the NHLPA, not by the National Hockey League, uh, but just by the players. Um, and it's basically like a like a quasi cupcakes. It's uh, you kind of build your roster. A bunch of player likenesses are in here, so uh, you can like it gives you like a starter team, and then as you play, you get points and coins and diamonds and all that other crap that all these other you know in app purchase games are now built on because you know we're all just lemmings that will just get easily preyed upon. But uh, you know, as they say, every man has his price. <laughs> So, uh, yeah, so you get, like, a starter team, and then you basically uh, play these little puzzle things to def- – you're basically defeating defenders to for a chance to score on goal. And I will say that the neat feature about this that, that kind of sets it apart from some of these other puzzle quest things is it kind of turns into a kind of a quick prompt uh, touch response game, uh, which either allows you to, like, make a pass or to make, an, uh, make a shot on goal. So if you get like three in a row, you know it powers up your certain players, and you got power players, you've got skill players, snipers, defensemen, da da da. 
And uh, so once you get to a certain point, basically the bottom part of your phone turns into like a little touchpad with a puck on it. And you basically try and move it around like kind of basically left and right deeks to kind of deke okay. out the goalie. And then you just swipe up. Hmm. So think of it kind of like the way the Pokemon Go stuff was sort of set up with having, hmm. you know, the swipe up to throw a bunch of Pokeballs at something to get you to uh, catch a Pokemon. But um, yeah, there's uh, there's a lot going on in this game, but it's a lot of fun. And that's why I was late to remembering that we're actually recording a podcast today. So um, I recommend it for you. I know you hmm. like games here and there. Um, I do. I do. I, I got to say the likenesses in cartoon form for uh, for some of these players is uh, really, really authentic. You know, there's obviously so much you can do. There's like a couple of them are, you know, kind of ge- like computer generated to look as much as the person. But then there's like you can tell the guys that like they actually spent extra time on like hmm. James Neal's facial features like this is like absolutely unmistakably as James Neal. <laughs> Whereas like. <laughs> You know, right now I'm looking at Jason Spezza, and it kind of looks like just a sim version of Spezza, not really uh, okay. a, you know, like a fleshed out. Like there's, there's no facial hair, there's no like, kind of shadowing mm. or along his temples and stuff. So how how much does Tom Wilson look like a garbage can? Oh, um, well, what's weird is uh, I I haven't run into him yet, so I'm gonna have to let you know uh, okay. at, a, at a later date. But when I do see him, I'm 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 sure the likeness will be very accurate because. Uh, yeah. um, a, a, a guy like that really deserves all the attention he needs to in order to be properly uh, represented in, in this game. So I recommend it to, to anybody who's, uh, you know, kind of, you know, hey, for your uh, commute on the subway, uh, if you're at a wedding reception, you know, it's a, it's a great little uh, time waster. So, um, yeah, now that I've wasted the open door to our show, <laughs> yeah. uh, let, let's, uh, let's begin. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I'm definitely, I, I, I will, I will check it out. I'm a, uh, a video game aficionado, and uh, definitely, I'm, I'm really open to, uh, to anything that can, like, waste time when I should be doing something else. Mm-hmm. Uh, so this, this sounds really good. Um, you know, for for a while, uh, I was really into Candy Crush. Uh, you know, like you said, sort of like Captain Holt. Um, you know, I'm, 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 you know, I'm, I'm a pretty strong person, but I'm only, I'm only so strong. Yep. And uh, and um, yeah, I mean, like I, I got really into it. Like I remember I uh, I created a strategy guide called "I Don't Think You're Ready for This Jelly," and it was it was pretty pretty good, pretty fun. Fantastic. Yeah. So uh, well, I'm, I'm glad I could introduce something that could potentially and drastically alter your workflow. Yeah, no, it's it's perfect. I mean, like, you know, I can just put on a movie in class and sit there for seventy minutes and just (laughs) click away. I mean, that's that's fantastic. You know, uh, you know, helping our helping our nation's youth, uh, one click at a time. Um, But um, speaking of one click at a time, our season is clicking along. That was a horrible transition, but we're we're going to leave it in. Circumstances, I'll allow it. We're going to leave it it in. We're going to leave it in. (laughs) So. uh, So, so the season is 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 underway. Um, last time we we recorded an episode, it was it was way too early to really talk too much about stuff that's going on, uh, and now it's only just mostly too early to talk about stuff that's going on. But we're going to do it anyway. So let's get into um, let's get into uh, like our season standouts so far. Yes. Uh, so again, obviously keeping you know keeping in mind that Austin Matthews is not going to score 274 points or whatever he's on track to do. Um, but I don't know, <laughs> Peter. I don't know, yeah. man. Like when you are watching 
a uh, National Hockey League broadcast, and they put up a graphic letting you know his pace sets him towards about 148 goals this year. I mean, if if they spent the time to put on the graphic there that this is something that could happen, I think it's pretty reasonable to think that it's actually going to happen. So, uh I think we I think we shouldn't be too too hasty in dismissing the 100 and <laughs> 150 or 120 goal pace that right, he's so, on. But fair, fair. Yeah, so um I'm going to I'm going to talk about my first my, uh, my my first my first standout here um is actually actually two people and we have seen both of them this early season. Uh, yes, one of them I just talked about. And so Austin Matthews and David Pasternak have 10 goals and 8 goals, respectively, so far this season. Uh, Toronto has played 8 games. So Austin Matthews has 10 goals and 8 games as we're recording this. Because uh, I'm pretty sure they're playing tonight. Uh, tonight being Saturday. Uh, and Boston has played seven games. Uh, so, so Pasternak has eight goals in seven games. They are, uh, I think, I think all of them came against us. But yeah. <laughs> uh, I kind of, I kind of, oh, I kind of went to my happy place during that game. I was having flashbacks of the the Montreal ten to one debacle that I that I, I wrote the recap for last year, and I, I felt really bad for for JJ having to write that recap because I know how frustrating it can be once it kind of gets to that turning point where you're like. Well, well, this is just terrible. Like I, 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 I can't feel my feelings anymore. Um, and but anyway, so I just wanted to point out that the you know even though this is an NHL podcast, we also uh, are both Red Wings fans. And uh, basically, uh, a fun statistic is that Austin Matthews and David Pasternak have scored as many goals as the Red Wings have goal differential. Right, the Red Wings goal Woo! differential is negative eighteen, and Pasternak and Matthews have scored 18 goals, which is cool. Cool, 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 <laughs> yeah. as, uh, as somebody used to say. Um, yeah, so, so basically, actually, well, even better, we could just say that uh, together they have scored three more goals than the Red Wings' entire team this year because uh, the Red Wings have 15 goals. So, yep. cool. But, um, <laughs> like, like anytime something like this happens, uh, obviously, you know, we always make a joke like, you know, like, like let's say I, I remember one year – Somebody like Luke Glendening scored a goal in the first game or, or something like that. And I remember it was like, oh, he's on pace to score 82 goals. And obviously everybody's joking when they say that. Yeah. But all kidding aside, Austin Matthews is having a ridiculous opening to the season. Um, I, I, I know you listen to it occasionally, but like, have you, have you heard uh, the, the full 60 podcast? I know I talked about it during our interview, I think, with Will last time. Have you heard the the full sixty where where Craig Cox to the skills coach Daryl Belfry, I believe his name is. I have not, so I'm excited to, for you to, to regale me with uh, the information posted there. Sorry, Craig. Yeah, no. So Craig, I, I, I will. Craig, I'll I, see you at the next game. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> I, I like. I will say this. I know I, I'm certainly prone to hyperbole. Uh, Nikki will tell you that uh, I am very very prone to hyperbole. But I I do think that this is not hyperbolic to say it's probably the most fascinating at least hockey interview I've ever heard because the it was one of those things where I did not like I learned so much that I had no idea like I had such a big mis- misconception on how some of this works and like, like let me just tell you this that basically the last two seasons in the offseason Austin Matthews has completely revamped his shot um, and so obviously last year he did very well and yeah. but he decided he wanted to revamp it again and According to Daryl Belfry, who works with him, 
he completely revamped his shot in a 24-hour period. Oh, okay. which is crazy. And like, it doesn't make sense, right? It sounds like, well, there's no, no way that can be true, but like, I don't want to say too much because I do want people to go listen to the interview. But then once you hear how they do it, like, it's amazing. It's astonishing. Uh, and as somebody who is, I mean, I, I'm a teacher cause that's naturally what my instinct is. My, my natural instinct is to basically help people learn how to do things. Like that's what I've always done. Yep. And so as somebody who does that for a living, it was just fascinating to hear how they do that. Like how, you know, the, obviously they're not going to go into every specific detail, but you know, the basics of how, how they accomplish that. Um, so obviously whatever they did is working. Austin Matthews is, uh, is off to a tremendous start, certainly, you know, helped by the people around him, but at the same time, he is putting up a, a ton of goals. Um, so, Jay, what's uh, what's one of your standouts so far? Well, we can already see the Rasmus Dahlin uh, effect uh, uh, imbuing members of the Sabres with supernatural powers because uh, Linus Olmark is uh, doing ridiculous things such that uh, his save percentage is currently sitting at 1.1,000. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so uh, this is uh, – that that's pretty cool. I'm uh, – I guess in the back of my mind, I was thinking about how think of all those Sabres teams that were actually pretty darn good and like just just couldn't get there. And I'm, and I'm you know, like the like the, there's the jury Briere days, but then there's also the French connection days. And yeah, and I just feel like if this is I, I think it'd be really fun for the, the Sabres to be kind of like a 2006 Tiger situation where it's like the year before. Just like, okay, how long is this going to take? And then the next year, you're in the World Series. So I think it'd be really funny and uh, amusing to have the Sabres kind of do a little bit of a Golden Knights scenario where it's like, none of this makes sense, but let's just go with it. And um, so, that, so that's pretty cool. Um, I, I'm, not, I'm not exactly sure, obviously, how long that can, that can last, but uh, my, my, my opinion is that uh, Linus Olmark is – just just a real great guy and and <laughs> and it and it really shows how you can uh be a uh, better uh goalie when you know that you have this uh stud defenseman in front of you so maybe you can relax a little bit more right i think that's yeah. you know like they say you got to be you got to have a couple screws loose to be uh to be a goaltender but uh you know i think um i don't know maybe there's not enough being said as of late about or maybe there is, and maybe it's just turned into white noise because it's being said so much. But hmm. if your defense is constantly a a, a, a house of horrors, <laughs> right? Yeah. Like, you, as a goaltender, you're obviously thinking about more things than you thought you needed to or uh, things you didn't even think you had to worry about, right? Hmm. But now that you've got maybe something that's a little bit more stable in front of you, maybe you can branch out. You know, maybe hit up a different coffee place this time, right? You know, change up your lifestyle, and then all of a sudden you find yourself with a, with a one thousand save percentage. So uh, that's pretty cool. Um, what are you, what are your and, and who's next on your on your fun standout shenanigans? Yeah, I mean, like especially especially like uh, I like that you added the word fun to it because you know that that, that wasn't that wasn't necessarily part of it, but I really like that you added it because <laughs> no no yeah. like, like like the whole thing. 
you know, you know, like like in a little while, we're going to be talking to to Sean McAdoo, um, and you know, I've been looking forward to this for a long time. And when you think of like people who try to make hockey fun, he is near the top of my list, if if not at the top. I would and agree. so. I, I, I really, you know, th- that's why I said, like, I'm really glad to be able to talk to him a little bit later um, because of how much he helps me have fun with hockey. Um, and so, I, like I said, I'm really glad you added that that uh, that qualifier to this because my next one is definitely fun. Um, although maybe not for their fan base or maybe not for, you know, the uh, the bottom line in there. Carolina. Let's talk about Carolina for a second. Sure. So seven games in, they sit atop the Metropolitan. Now, to be fair, they played two more games than New Jersey, um, who I believe is playing right now. Uh, and they played one more game than Columbus. So by the time you listen to this, they might not be at the top of the Metro anymore. But, you know, right now they're 4-2-1. Off to a good start. Uh, Carolina's goaltending has always really hurt them. Um, actually, yeah, as we... Uh, yeah, it's happening right now. They are losing to Columbus. Or no, Colorado. 2-0. And I don't know. It says live, so I'm not sure if it's over yet. But um, basically – oh, yes. I'm sorry. It's uh, Yeah, it's happening right now. So uh, it is – they lost 3-1. Uh, so so they, they are now 4-3-1. and one. But Colorado <laughs> has been one of those teams that everybody's been waiting to take a step forward, right? Yep. And it's always been the goaltending. It's always been the goaltending that lets them down. And so it's going to be interesting to see if their goaltending can can keep up this year. However, here's the here's the stat that, that kind of jumps out at you. And it's just kind of amazing. Carolina has taken 515 shots this year. 515 shots. Right? Now, that's, that's Corsi 4, so that's, uh, uh, that's not necessarily unblocked. Right? So they've take they've taken 515 shots in seven games. They've allowed 325 shots. So they are positive 190 shots in seven games. Oh boy, which is astonishing. I'm I'm almost positive this is true. That uh, before before this there was a two game period where they had a hundred shots on goal. Uh, they had a hundred shots total in two games. Um, so if I'm off, I apologize. If I'm off, it's not by very much. But so now the interesting thing is, is Toronto is only six shots behind them, but Toronto has given up many more because they are only plus seven in shots. So wow. Toronto has given up as, uh, has taken 509 and they have allowed 502. So if you want some fun hockey, try to find uh, uh, Carolina and Toronto play that, that should be uh, <laughs> <laughs> that should be a recipe for some yeah. really fun hockey. Um, also rounding out the leaders, uh, San Jose is next on the list. Vegas and Calgary is number five. Um, yeah, so so it's going to be interesting. Every year, it's like, is this the year for Carolina? Let's see what happens. All right. So so what you got? What do you got next? Well, I, I, as a, I, I worry that some people might be uh, a little a little snarky about why I decided to lead off with Olmark because. Yes, I know he's only played one game. It was a shutout. <laughs> but <laughs> the joke here, kids, is that he's still leading. So until <laughs> he's not, that means the superhero powers of Rasmus Dahlin have, have been transferred to, to him and, and everything can be fine. So I just want people to be clear that that's, uh, that's fun stuff. Um, I, I, I like Miko Rantanen. Um, 
See, here, here's my favorite thing that constantly pops up whenever I think about uh, or whenever I've talked about Wayne Gretzky is that you could take away all his goals and he would still have the most points based solely on his assists. So anybody who's racking up assists at a, you know, pretty decent, if not better than average uh, pace, uh, I always keep an eye on him. So right now, Rantanen's uh, leading with 11 assists and, uh, you know, followed shortly behind by Morgan Riley and Brad Marchand, who... As you know, Peter, yes. has requested we refer to him in that way. And, um, I don't know. Yeah, I so, think, uh, yeah, I, I've, I've started to call him Rot instead of Rat. So, I <laughs> yeah. think, you know, I'm yeah. trying to honor, I'm trying to honor his, uh, his, his request in my own, my own special way. Yep, that's, that's, that's totally fair. So, yeah, I'm, uh, I'm keeping an eye on Ranton and I'd like to see somebody just completely run away with, uh, with the assists, what is mm-hmm. what's the trophy for assists? Do they have one? Is there like a Rocket Richard for the mm-hmm. for assists? I think maybe we should maybe let's. I mean, may, I think it's a little you know a little much to just instantly name it the Wayne Gretzky thing because of that standalone. But like maybe we can find like who's number two all time in assists and then and then make a make a trophy for that. I think that'd be fun. Let's. Well, I mean, he doesn't he doesn't have a trophy named after him, so why not? Yeah, yeah. So let's right. let's be great. Yeah. Yep, the greatest yeah. player of all time gets a trophy name after him for assists. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's uh, yeah. that's that's fun. But all right, uh, so 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 let let let's do one more each. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so yeah, you go first. All right, so last year, um, William Wild Bill Carlson, he racked up a ridiculous shooting percentage, and and going into this year, everybody's like, oh man, it's going to be interesting to see. You know how how he does if he can continue on, uh, and as of right now he let's see he has six assists right so that's uh, you know that's not too bad in terms of points. Uh, in terms of goals, it doesn't look like he's in the top group right now, right? Which has uh, the 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 cutoff for that is four goals. But we have some really interesting shooting percentages, and now of course this is going to go down as we go on through the year um, because the NHL average is typically about 14%. But right now, David Perron from St. Louis has a 44.4 shooting percentage. And the interesting thing is, is the aforementioned Austin Matthews is not that far behind him with a 40% shooting percentage. So now, now as the season goes on, that's going to go down, but it's going to be interesting to see how much it goes down because he is, I like. I don't want to make this whole pa- whole podcast about Austin Matthews. I know people get tired of that, but yeah. man, I mean, he's like he really is off to an amazing start. Um, number three is Elias Pettersson, or I guess Elias Elias Pettersson, mm-hmm. uh, who has thirty eight point five, and unfortunately, that's not going to change for a little bit because uh, he's currently out with a concussion after being rock bottomed by Michael Matheson on what he says was not an intention to injure, which um, sure. I'm. Like if, if if the intent wasn't to hurt him, I don't know what the intent was. Yep. Like I I am always open. I am always open minded. I'm always willing to believe. You know, willing to listen. But I don't know what the intent possibly could have been for the second part of that move. Um, the initial hit, sure, fine. But then he basically takes him when he is in a horizontal position and slams him down to the ice. I don't know what he was trying to do if not to hurt him. Um, and then fourth is uh, is Kyle Parmeri uh, from New Jersey with a thirty five percent shooting percentage. I believe I believe the statistic was at least his first three games he scored two goals in each game, which is incredible. Uh, so it's going to be really interesting to see as the season goes on. Are those just 
um, you know, off to good starts and they will start to regress as the season goes on. Or you never know, like, is is Matthews, Pedersen, I mean, could be even Perron. I, I think he probably has the least chance out of all of them. Um, you know, could some of these people keep a relatively high shooting percentage? Obviously, it's not going to be 40%. Um, but you know, could they, could they break 30? I don't know. Maybe that would be, that would be pretty interesting. Yeah. Well, that's, that's, that's true. And, and you actually said my other, my last pick. So that's actually mm. conveniently bring this up, which is Mr. Kyle Palmieri. Um, mm. after being such a, such a force for the ducks, right. It's, uh, it's just real nice to have him in a conference where I have to see him more now. <laughs> um, but, uh, his, uh, He's currently leading with uh, four power play goals, and that's tied with Kuznetsov and with uh, Matthews. But obviously, his shooting percentage is pretty high up there, um, and his and his points points per game. It's it's it's, it's nice, and uh, I I think that uh, with uh, the Devils getting Kyle Palmieri, I mean they were really struggling. You know, like they got nothing out of Hall last year, so getting Palmieri is really a really a godsend for them. Um, but uh, but seriously, that's. I think Paul Mary's only going to get better with uh, the people that he's now surrounded with in New Jersey, and um, I'll, I'll definitely keep an eye on him. I, I, I like the guys who are just constantly scoring on the power play. It's just you don't you don't really see that that much too like I feel like that's always kind of a like just a big pack of people leading mm. in power play goals. I would really love either this year or in the coming years for just one person to be like the absolute lockdown. Like if they're on the power play, this guy it's gonna get on this guy's stick. He's gonna score, and it's gonna happen. So my, I'm now putting my money on Mr. Kyle Palmieri to do cool exactly that. Yeah, no, I think that sounds really cool. Um, so what we're gonna do is uh, we're gonna go next to our interview. All right, so our interview is with Sean McAdoo, aka Down Goes Brown. Uh, so we hope you enjoy it, and we'll be back soon. And welcome back to our uh, Too Many Awards to Mention winning segment, uh, Important Interviews with Important Hockey People. Today, we are blessed. Actually, Peter is far more ex- far exceeding my, because I'm pretty excited about this, but it's it's almost like this exponential excitement thing. It's like, I'm really excited to have Sean McIndoo here. And then uh, Peter, like, is just this inaudible squee, right? It's just like, <laughs> So uh, you, you worry about that. I, I, I think it's internal screaming yes. uh, would be the Netflix caption, but in a positive way. Yeah, in a positive way, yeah. So uh, yeah. Uh, for those of you who are uh, not in the know, uh, Mr. McIndoo is uh, widely known as Mr. Down Goes Brown. Uh, again, Peter, I love having guests with just simple Twitter handles. I'm waiting for the day we interview somebody with a, with a crazy handle. Uh, he is uh, He started Down Goes Brown in 2008, and he's been writing about hockey ever since with uh, uh, Grantland, uh, Sportsnet, and Vice Sports. He's currently with uh, The Athletic. Pete, only a matter of time before you and I get to write our Why I'm Joining The Athletic articles. Um, <laughs> and uh, he, he's got an uh, awesome, super great, and uh, really exciting thing happening, which is a book. That's right. Uh, he's coming out with... Uh, Pete, what's the name of this uh, wonderful piece of literature that I get to add to my collection? Uh, so the Down Grows Brown History of the NHL, the world's most beautiful sport, the world's most ridiculous league. And from uh, – so, Sean, from listening to you on Biscuits for, for all this time, um, to, to me, like, it kind of sounds like uh, like the actual title would be, like, this effing league. Uh, <laughs> am, am I close? <laughs> yeah, that, that might have been one of the original drafts. Uh, the, <laughs> the editors decided to soften it up. 
<laughs> so, so, so yeah, like, like we're gonna get into like you know the current HL season and all that stuff. But before we do, let's just make sure we get to this. So, uh, you know, tell us about your book. It's coming out October thirtieth. You can pre-order it. Uh, so, you know, tell tell our readers why they should why they should buy it, other than just because it's by you and you're awesome. <laughs> well, it's, I mean, th- this is a a book that I've wanted to do for for a while now, and uh, it was it, it was pretty exciting when the opportunity presented itself because you know th- there are. Yeah, I, I am a lifelong hockey fan. For all the criticism, for all the uh, you know, for all the, the the pot shots I might take at the NHL from time to time, uh, you know, th- this has been my favorite sport. It's been my favorite sports league ever since I was a little kid. And you know, I'm going, I'm I'm well into my fourth decade of of being a hockey fan and being an NHL fan. And in in all that time, I've always enjoyed the history. I, I've I've always loved hearing the the old stories and. Uh, certainly, there's there's many of them that we all know by heart, and you know we can all we, we we all know about the original six and the Richard riots and the Gretzky trade and 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 all of that stuff. Even though for many of us, it, you know, at least it, some of those things happened well before uh, we were born. Uh, and and there's you know all these great stories, but then there's also this other half of the history, and it's the the other half that doesn't really get talked about a lot, which is just all the weird stuff, just all the. <laughs> Strange stories, and and uh, you know, some some of them are good, some are bad, some are just kind of you know what was going on on that particular day, and uh, you know that that was always even since I was a little kid, uh, it, that was the stuff that appealed to me. Like that's the stuff where if you're watching a game and it's a seven to one blowout, and the, the, they've completely run out of anything to talk about, and suddenly the color guy has to fire up some old story from 20 years ago, and you're just sitting there going, is he messing with us? Like, he's got to be making <laughs> yeah. this up. Uh, and, uh, and, you know, it turns out that, no, it's, 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 the NHL history is packed with amazing athletes and amazing feats and, and, and great teams and terrible teams and, and everything like that, but there's also all of these little weird stories that, that kind of seep into the cracks, and, and I found in my time, you know, my, my 10 years or so writing about hockey – that a lot of fans, even the diehard fans who who would consider themselves uh, up to date on the history, they don't know this stuff, or or they've maybe heard little bits and pieces, or maybe they heard the story once, and then like me, they thought that that's got to be a joke. That couldn't really have happened. There there couldn't really have been a game where one team all wore earmuffs on the bench because the crowd was too loud. That would never happen. You know, there, there <laughs> couldn't. There, there couldn't have been a game where in the middle of the playoffs nobody could find the league president and it ended up with a bunch of guys in yellow raincoats officiate a game. That, that, there's no way. <laughs> but of course, all this stuff did happen. And so, you know, when I, I, had, I, I do a lot of history stuff, even in, in the writing. Even when I'm writing about something that happens today, one of my favorite things to do is to say, what has happened in the past that was kind of like this and what can we mm-hmm. learn from it? And uh, so, you know, when somebody suggested doing a history book, especially right around the time that the 100th anniversary and, and all of that, um, I, I wanted to do it, but my condition was I, I don't want to write a textbook. I, I don't want to write yeah. a dry 300-page uh, retelling of, of all the stuff that everyone already knows because that's been done, and it's been done really, really well. It's been done by people who did it far better than I ever could. I want to tell my version of the, the history, which is all the mm. real stuff and all the important stuff, but also all the goofy stuff right alongside. Uh, and uh, I, I think it works well, and I think people, even even the diehard fans, will come away 
learning about some things, and, and, and it'll be fun stuff that you can kind of throw into the mm. conversation the next time you're sitting around having a pint. Uh, you just look at your, your other hockey fan buddies and go, hey, did you guys ever know that this happened? And, uh, mm. and then you off, off you go, and, and they'll probably think that you're lying and that you're joking, and, uh, <laughs> and you, can, you can send them to, to the book and uh, say it's in, a, it's in a real hockey book, so it has to be true now. <laughs> yeah, I, I, um, uh, you know, growing up, my my dad got me into hockey. You know, so he would tell me, you know, all the the stories from you know that he he remembers uh, from when he was younger. And one of the ones that sticks in my mind, and like I wish I remember the exact details because I don't, I don't know if it was the Malarchik play, but it was one play where a player had gotten cut with with a skate and they were bleeding really badly like i'm almost positive it was goalie i don't know if it was earlier than that because Blarchik was like 89 so it doesn't really seem like it would fit but i know my dad said that when he was watching like you know one of those plays the announcer said something like that for those of you with color televisions you know because oh. <laughs> i guess some yeah. people you know it, it wasn't you know everybody didn't have a color tv so uh-huh. i just remember thinking like oh wow man that uh that investment was worth it. I get to really see the redness of the blood. This is great. There you go. That's, that's the big selling point. Yeah, no, I mean, it, <laughs> yeah. there, there is, you, you can't tell the history of the NHL without uh, without some blood and some teeth on the ice and, and all of that. And that's part of what makes it fascinating. In fact, there's a, a chapter of the book where I, I basically go, go a little bit uh, uh, deeper on that exact topic and just the history of violence in the NHL and how it's even from the first days when the league formed, it was a topic. You, you, could, you could find newspaper articles from those days saying this, this new league is not going to last if they don't get the violence under control. And, you know, on through the, you know, the, the wow. 40s and 50s and Gordie Howe and, and guys like that policing the, the game and then into the 70s with uh, Mike Milbury and friends climbing into the stands and the 80s <laughs> with the stick sing, swinging and all of that. And, and I sort of take it all and, and, and just kind of wrap it up into one big essay on, uh, sort of how we got to where we are today and, and where we're likely to go and, um, you know, that, that sort of stuff where it's, uh, uh, you know, the, the, the history, like before, the, the, the history is great and the history is important, but it's also uh, where I think it really works is when you can then turn around and go, and how, how does this, how did this get us here today and what can we maybe learn about what's going to happen tomorrow uh, based on how, how things have, have uh, broken down in the past. Yeah, I remember the the stick swinging from the realistic uh, hockey movie Youngblood. Uh, you know that, that that's definitely how it worked. Yeah, that was it. I mean, everyone everybody thinks Slapshot is the real NHL, but uh, sometimes it looked more like more look like the end of uh, Youngblood. Uh, well, I'm I'm actually I'm very anxious and and I'm excited to reveal that while we were having this conversation, Pete, I think this is the first time we've done this. Uh, uh, Sean, consider. Uh, myself as uh your first ever all pre-order i already did it as you were talking the book has been pre-ordered i already got same day release so i just want you to know that regardless of what happens you know that i'm getting the book (laughs) there you go it it was worth it and listen to the happiness in his voice everyone do you hear how excited he is that could be you you go and do the same thing right now and uh, and pre-order happiness is guaranteed i am flying right now yeah, I mean, yeah. I, I already took October 30th off of work, so I can just, like, camp out at the mailbox when it comes. So, yeah. <laughs> that, no but all kidding aside, I am, I am genuinely interested to to read it, and, and that would be true even if you weren't uh, a guest on our show. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, Sean, I actually want to ask this because, again, again, feel free to use this opportunity to say, like, well, you already bought the book, so you'll find out. But uh, one of the uh, one of my most uh, favorite memories, and I actually have the, the picture hung in my house, is of uh, Ted Lindsay. Uh, 
turning a stick around and firing it into the crowd in in, in Toronto and um and I guess that's that's the other reason I, I you know basically the way you described your essay like I'd love to know more about that year because like you're right like in in the way that the the league has evolved through these years you know there's stuff that has been that happens before our eyes but then there's stuff that obviously has to get handed down handed down to us so like you know learning more about that time because I mean that is gosh I, I'm I'm just I'm just wondering what would happen now like even if we'd even re- remotely approach the same thing as you know hey like let's say like there's this like mammoth match between like the Blackhawks and the and the Maple Leafs at some point right and like for some reason Patrick Kane is just like this complete and utter force just tormenting the Leafs and then somebody inter- like we already know how crazy Toronto media and and fans can be like would or would we even get anything as close to actually having somebody called it? And then on the flip side, have the opposing team flip it around and completely rub it in the fans' face, like, "Hey, you said you were going to shoot me, but I just won the game in overtime." So uh, I'm glad we get to explore mo- most of that. I mean, there is, is so much stuff in there, and especially you know, for for those of us who for whom the original six era was maybe a little bit before our time. Uh, I mean, there, there's a ton of stories in the book of, of stuff where you're just, I mean, you can't even imagine it happening today. And, and, and not just original six, because that's, that's the other interesting thing about the NHL's history is if you're a casual fan or even if you're just a, even if you're a, a big hockey fan but somebody who doesn't pay a ton of attention to the history, you kind of work from the assumption that this league began with the original six. And, uh, of course, that's not the case. The original six era started in 1942. The league was 25 years old by then. Uh, there had been, uh, a, a, you know, dozens of teams that had kind of come and gone, and, and uh, some had worked and some hadn't. And, uh, you know, there, there's this whole weird history where it takes the NHL about 25 years to even form itself into what we would consider the old version of the NHL, the original six, like the classic, uh, where it's the Rocket and Gordie Howe and, and Ted Lindsay and all these guys. There's, a, you know, there, there's a quarter century before that where they, they, they're trying to figure all this stuff out. And, yeah, there's just... I mean, there's there's crazy stories. There's there's stories of you know one owner who was uh, you know considered a an entrepreneur, but really was uh, was basically a gangster, and uh, mm-hmm. you know he he was he was crooked, and he had the you know the the gold judge was a member of his gang, and so one night mm-hmm. the gold judge doesn't call a goal, and the other team's goaltender turns around and takes a swing at the gold judge, and oops, that's a bad move because he's on the payroll of the gangster mm-hmm. who owns the other team, and now we've got a hit put out on this <laughs> goaltender. Uh, you know, and, and it just, I mean, it's, it's, you know, crazy stuff, guys getting, guy getting hit and, uh, uh, you know, they're injured and, and their career's in danger and their dad is hopping on a train with a loaded gun to go and get revenge on, uh, and, and getting intercepted by the team's coach who, like, you know, basically just gets them hammered on alcohol during the train trip so that they, they calm down enough to, 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 uh, to put the gun away and, and not go and, <laughs> Uh, do something crazy. I mean, there, there's just all this yeah. stuff where, yeah, I mean, you know, you we we sit around and spend weeks at a time arguing about the latest Tom Wilson hit, and uh, yeah, I mean that that's what passes for uh, uh, for things getting a little bit crazy in today's NHL. But but good lord, <laughs> the, some of the stuff happening in decades past, uh, it really will uh, uh, make you wonder if uh, uh, if you're seeing things because it's just uh, some of the stories are just way out there. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I guess that kind of makes uh, the, uh, you know, Mike Matheson uh, smelling what The Rock is cooking with his uh, takedown of Pedersen. Uh, you know, obviously it was pretty messed up, but I it does kind of pale in comparison to some of this other stuff. I remember I was reading, uh, I still haven't finished it, and uh, I'm a high school English teacher, and so 
a lot of times I'll start a book and then I have to do something for school. So I read like a book for school and I end up like stopping the book I'm reading and I come back to it later. But there's uh, the Russian five book. Uh, I think I got about halfway through it and it's like some of the stuff in there is just unbelievable. I wanted to I wanted to switch uh, switch topics uh, real quick um, because before this book, uh, you wrote a, uh, an, a, an e-book, an electronic book, with uh, Dave Lozo and Greg Wyshynski, the 100 greatest players in NHL history, um, and I, I really enjoyed that. So what I wanted to ask you, because I remember when, when the NHL 100 list came out and it was parts of it were kind of a joke, uh, so I was really interested in reading you know, the three of your takes on it. So now that a little bit of time has passed... Are there any players on that you put on your list that you would move up or down like a lot, like like not you know not just like one spot, but like is there anybody who like you know I thought he was in this range and now wow he's really actually in this range? You know there there probably are as as far as uh, some of the active guys. I I would hope we we wouldn't change our minds too much on the guys who had already come and gone. Um, that that was an interesting book to work on because we we sort of did two things where. First, we we had we did have objective component to it, where we looked at awards and and you know individual all star voting and that sort of thing to kind of give us a baseline, so that it wasn't purely uh, based on our opinion. And then the other thing was that it was three of us writing it, so we had we, we all kind of put our votes in, um, but we uh, we didn't know how the others were gonna were gonna vote. And there were there were some cases where for all three of us. There was some guys that we thought maybe ended up being a little too high, others a little too low, but it was nice because it gave us this plausible deniability where anytime I'm talking to somebody, and if they're like, I'm really mad about this guy, I can go, <laughs> yeah, I totally had that guy way higher. It was Dave <laughs> who screwed that one up. But the, the one thing that that uh, in that in that book and in that list that we did that really set it apart from the NHL is, you know, the NHL only had six guys from that are currently active on the entire list, whereas we can, I don't remember what the number was, but we had at least twice that, and I think a, yeah. a fair bit more. Uh, and, and, I mean, I couldn't for the life of me figure out why the NHL did it that way, for two reasons. First of all, today, I mean, Gary Bettman always is, is always telling us that the players are better today than ever before, and you know what? He's actually right. I mean, they, they, the skill level in today's game is clearly far better than it was even 20, 30 years ago, let alone the, the, sure. the rest of the 100 years of, of the NHL. So on that basis alone, there should be more of today's player. But uh, if you're going to do something like this as a marketing exercise, for goodness sakes, get the guys that are currently selling tickets and are currently out <laughs> there on, you know, pump their tires a little bit. Uh, and instead, the league basically had, you know, it was Crosby, Ovechkin, uh, you know, anyone who plays for the Chicago Blackhawks, and that was pretty much it. So uh, it, we had a lot of guys quite a bit higher, and, and certainly hmm. even in the two years since, I think if we did the list again, Sidney Crosby would be higher. I think Alexander okay. Ovechkin would be higher. I, I, I don't remember where those guys were. I think they were kind of in like the late teens, top 20 sort of uh, range, but not yeah. yet in the top 10, and I, and I think both of those guys, probably Crosby more so, um, hmm. but, but certainly they both won Stanley Cup since we did the book, and uh, uh, I, I think they would both be higher, and I think some of the other guys that are active would be moving up, and maybe even some of the guys that are active today and didn't make the list would uh, would, would would start to move up, um, and uh, and you know that means that leads you to the point where you're bumping guys off the list, which is never easy to do. But that's uh, that's another thing where anytime anyone gets mad at me, I can just tell them that you know, ask them which which player it is they're mad and. Uh, whoever they tell me, I'll just tell them that that guy was 101st on the list and. Uh, just <laughs> 
Yeah, one of the things I really liked about it is, uh, you know, how high you had Dominic Ashik because, you know, I, I think for for people who are a little bit younger who never really got to see him in his prime, which lasted forever. Um, I mean, he was just a monster. <laughs> yep, Dominic Ashik is my pick for the greatest goaltender of all time, and I, I say that being very aware that. Uh, you, you can make a case for, for Patrick Waugh. You can maybe make a case for Martin Brodeur. And then certainly if you're comparing across eras and mm. you're trying to say, you know, was Dominic Hasek better than Glenn Hall or Ken Dryden or Jacques Plant, that mm. gets very, very difficult, of course, <laughs> as, as it does with anything in, uh, when, you're, when you're going across that many years. But the, the way that the position has evolved, uh, is, uh, it really is kind of a night and day thing to, to, to what it looked like 50 years ago. But you know what? That's, that's, a case where that's my eyes telling me that because I was able to watch Dominic Hasek through his prime. But the numbers will tell you, too. I mean, there, there was yeah. a more. The numbers he was putting up versus all the other goaltenders in the league was just ridiculous. And so, um, you know, I do see the argument for other guys. Um, but for me and, and uh, you know, when, when we were putting the list together, as far as my ballot, Dominic Hasek is the best mm. that has ever done it in the NHL. Mm. That's that, I'm, I'm glad we settled that because... That's the correct answer. That was that, that's good. That I'm, I'm glad we all agree on the on the same thing. Um, so, Sean, I wanted to ask you in terms of like uh, current events. Is there any, um, especially with now that you know, with kind of the book and part of the conversation we're having? In your opinion, what's the most laughably frustrating thing <laughs> with this league right now? Like, what's the one thing where you're like, why th- this should not be a problem, but here we are. Why is this still a thing? I'll give you two. One one's a little bit more big picture, and but it's it, and it's one that I've been I've been banging this drum for years and years now. But the fact that scoring rates are as low as they have been uh, for the last twenty plus years, really, at this point, is is I think uh, an absolute embarrassment uh, and an absolute indictment of of Gary Bettman and his leadership uh, as as the guy running this show um, because. Uh, you know, I, I'm, I'm certainly aware that, look, we've all seen one nothing games that were fantastic. We've, we've all seen low-scoring games that were end-to-end and great chances, and, and the puck wasn't going in, and they're, they're fantastic games. We've also seen one nothing games that were absolutely unwatchable. Uh, we've seen games where it's just clutch and grab in the neutral zone, and, and nobody's getting a chance, and when they do get a chance, nobody has any room, and if they do get a shot off, it's there's three guys blocking it, and the game ends up one nothing because the puck bounces in off someone's behind uh, on a total fluke, and uh, it just can't sell a product like that. And and I, uh, you know, one of my favorite things that I've ever written was I did a piece for uh, ESPN about three years ago where I, I said, here's a history of the NHL acting like it's going to do something about goal scoring rates, and it was just. 20, literally 20, I went back 20 years, and every single year I was able to find an article in a paper somewhere with Gary Bettman or somebody like that saying, we're going to do something about this, and we're going to get scoring rates back up, and just never, ever following through. And, and you compare that to the NFL, where a few years ago, uh, you know, Patriots and Colts in the AFC Championship, and the, you know, everyone expecting this high-scoring shootout, and instead the Patriots come out and just completely shut them down by basically mugging the wide receivers at the, at the line. The NFL... They, they don't form a committee. They don't say, let's talk about this. They don't say, let's spend the next 20 years acting like we're going to do something. They changed the rules or the way the rules were called that 
season. They changed they, right away that off season. They said we're not doing this. New rules, new way to new way to call those rules. Uh, and you know the offense has been off the charts ever since. And you compare that to the NHL, just constantly saying we got to do something. And then they come in and they well we've made we moved the face off dot a third of an inch to the left. <laughs> not going to do anything so that's the big picture one and that's the one that, that really gets to me and, and there is actually a, a fairly long uh, uh, section in the book where i, I kind of go into more detail about how we got to this point and you know to, to the to the point where even last year a goal scoring went up by 0.2 a game and people are like wow scoring is back and it's like no it's not <laughs> look, at, look at history man like i mean it's yeah just because it's higher than it was a few years ago i mean it, it just it, it really and and this is partly because i'm old enough where i've seen hockey when it's high scoring and end to end and lots of scoring chances, and I know how much fun it is. That's what hooked me. That's that's how I fell in love with this game. And just seeing the NHL with all of this skill and talent and, and everything go out and try to market this game that is so often just so ugly and and just and, and flat out boring. And you know everybody, you know any game you play, somebody out there is watching your product for the very first time. And just way too often the NHL puts something out there that is completely unwatchable, and you're never going to get that person back. That that's it. That person will never be a hockey fan. So, that's the big picture one for me. The the smaller picture one that I actually could see something being fixed someday, although I'm I'm starting to lose hope, is this stupid loser point. The, the <laughs> fact that we have columns yes. in the standings uh, in a league where you can either win or you can lose, but there's there's three columns and we give out extra points, and everyone's over 500, and isn't this wonderful? <laughs> and uh, you know this this team is. Uh, I saw something in it where they're like, yeah, this team has a, an undefeated streak going. And you're like, what's an undefeated streak? You win or you lose in this league. What are we talking about? Yeah. Um, and it's, it, it just it, it drives me crazy, and that's, that's one I've said this before, where I think that in, at some point we're going to change. We're either going to go to a 3-2-1 system or we'll, we'll just go to wins and losses, whatever it is. In or 20 years from now, your kids or your grandkids – they're going to look at the standings and be like, "What were you guys thinking? Why, why did you <laughs> let the standings look like this?" And it's going to—it's going to feel to them like it feels to us when we see pictures of players in Cooperalls. We're just like, "Who thought this was a good idea?" <laughs> it's going to be the same sort of thing uh, with this stupid way the standings are. But of course, uh, you know, and, and and the thing that really bothers me about about it is is not only does it does it make everything look stupid, but the NHL acts like we're stupid because they tell us that it makes the playoff races closer when it doesn't. It doesn't do anything. To make the playoff, if everybody's getting bonus points at the same rate, you're not making anything closer. All you're doing is you're artificially inflating the records so that the GMs, who are the ones who vote on this, can go to their owner and say, "Well, we were over 500, even though we lost 50 games in an 82-game season." <laughs> That's the only reason we have it. And eventually, I don't know if it might not be during the Bettman era, but eventually somebody's going to come in and go, "Let's stop treating our fans like they're morons and just give them standings that make sense." <laughs> Absolutely. Um, that, that, uh, yeah, so, that's like oh, that. That was poetic. I love this. That was great. <laughs> that's everything I wanted to hear about. Yeah. You like my, my feelings are like almost the exact same, but they they were just so they were they I, they were amorphous. They were just a blob. They weren't <laughs> refined. You just oh, you just described it perfectly. I, I when I am I, elected commissioner. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yes. Yes. <laughs> All right, so um, so Sean, we we have uh, one question for you, uh, one last question, and we'll let yeah. you go. So I saw on Twitter that you were you were interacting with one of my good friends, Kelly from uh, Broad Street Hockey, yes. about a potential podcast with you and Gritty called Gritskits. Which <laughs> number one, I am a hundred percent here for. I will start the Patreon myself. Um, but uh, on a serious note, because I mean, obviously that would be unbelievable if you. I have no idea what Gritty sounds like. I have a I have a, a 
you know, kind of an internal, uh, I was going to say image, but I guess I like, a, like a, like an audio, uh, of what gritty sounds like, but it's probably wrong. Um, but so my question is like, obviously number one, uh, right now you're not currently doing a podcast. Uh, so are you, you know, is there any plan to, to do that in the near future? Uh, I, I, I hope so. Uh, but then my last, my last uh, question is, um, you know, obviously I enjoy reading your writing. I enjoy listening to your podcast, but what hockey writers do you enjoy reading and what podcasts do you like to listen to? Well, as far as doing a podcast, yes, I hope there will be something. I, I, I don't have details yet, uh, but there have been those conversations. Uh, having biscuits and the way it did caught, uh, uh, caught us a little bit off guard because the, the, the hope had been to go into a third season and then if people, if people haven't heard the story, it's because Dave Lozo, the co-host, uh, got a job at ESPN, which was fantastic and it was, it was a great move for him, um, but because he was now working at, uh, at one sports media place, they would not let him continue to do a podcast that was hosted by a different sports media place, which is very reasonable, uh, yeah. uh, I think. Yeah, sucks, I've talked to The Athletic about maybe doing something there. I do have it in my in my deal with them that I, I can continue. I, I could have continued to do Biscuits if, if Dave had been able to, and, and so I am still open to uh, potentially doing something somewhere else. Uh, we'll see. Uh, that, that's, mm. you know, I, I certainly... Uh, would hope that at some point during the season we can put something together, but I, I, I think the uh, with the start of the season having come and gone already, there, there's maybe not uh, as, as much pressure to get something out the door, and, and I'd rather make sure it's something that I feel like is a good fit and that I'm happy with. Uh, and you know, yeah. as far as who I read and, and who I listen to, it's actually funny. I, I've never been a podcast guy. I don't listen to a lot of podcasts, and uh, and that was uh, part of what made it uh, very interesting to do biscuits because you know you certainly hear anyone who listens to those episodes you know even even all two two years of them but certainly in the early going it's very much dave who's driving the bus because i have i, I really don't know what i'm doing like what what are we talking about what are we supposed to be what are we supposed to be doing here but uh you know the, the, as far as the ones that i read i mean um it's 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 a bit of a hometown answer but i really do think that the the roster that the athletic has put together is just is just fantastic at this point. Uh, they really have got almost a who's who, and, and you know Craig Cousins is great, Pierre LeBrun is great. Uh, going down the list, I love Justin Bourne's pieces because he's he's the only guy out there that seems to be writing about X's and O's in a way that I can actually understand. Uh, and mm. and I feel like when you compare hockey to other sports, there's just so little like strategy X and O talk. Um, you know, where we we just kind of all thought, well, yeah, they gotta they gotta compete harder and they gotta want it more. And it's like, no, sometimes maybe it's because they gotta, they they you know, their zone entries have to be in a different way. And here's how it could look. And so I really like his stuff. Um, outside of that, I mean, Bob McKenzie is, has uh, been been fantastic for years. I love Elliot Friedman. I love his Thirty One Thoughts column. That that's kind of my one and only can't miss column of every week. Where I just I. I have to sort of drop everything and read it, and uh, whenever it comes out, uh, and, and go on down the list. I mean, I'm, I'm, like I say, I'm not, I'm not much of a podcast guy, but I'm a big reader. I spend most of my time mm-hmm. online. It feels like reading other people's stuff, and then kind of wishing that that I thought of it first and uh, and, and could have got to it. But um, it's it's a good time to be a hockey fan, and uh, just because uh, it feels like there's just so much good content out there, and, and so many people producing stuff, and and uh, you know, so many people pushing those people and, and putting themselves to be the next generation who sort of uh, comes in and, and raises the bar even higher. 
Well, of course, it is an exciting time now, but it, like after October 30th, it'll be even more exciting because your book will be out and we'll all be there for it. So, um, Sean, uh, that just about hits our time here. We wanted to say uh, thank you for, for coming on our humble program here. Uh, for those of you who uh, may have been, uh, th- this may have been your first time interacting with, uh, with the Down Goes Brown magic, and uh, you just want to know where to find them. Well, it's very easy, just at Down Goes Brown. Uh, that's that's pretty simple. And, and as we've already said a billion times, uh, uh, Sean's uh, new book uh, will be coming out on October 30th. Uh, we are uh, elated and excited to uh, to get our eyeballs on it because uh, as much as we would have liked you to uh, preview anything and everything inside of it, I'm glad we really didn't ask you to do that, Sean. I think we pretty much tiptoed around it the entire time, and and now it will be a surprise for everybody as it should be. So uh, I, thanks for coming I hope on. It is and- Thank you for having me, and I and I hope people do check out the book. And, and like you said, you can pre-order it right now, and and you'll get it ASAP when it comes out. And I I, I will leave you with just with one piece, uh, just because I know a lot of the uh, a lot of the audience is going to be Red Wings fans. There there are 25 chapters mm-hmm. in the book covering the entire history of the NHL. An entire chapter of that book is dedicated to the Red Wings Avalanche rivalry. I, I figured oh, oh, beauty. they needed their own. I, I think you just sold a bunch of books. So uh, you know if if you're uh, uh, that that kind of gives you an idea of where my perspective is coming from and 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 how I'm handling this. <laughs> I, I kind of had to had to skimp a little bit on some of the 1930s to make room, but uh, I figured we we had to go deep on uh, on all of the uh, shenanigans that went on there. All right. Perfect. Well, th- Sean, <laughs> I, I, again, we, I I think I can hear the order counter just flipping zeros after zeros and the the numbers shooting up there because I know a lot of we do have a lot of Red Wing fans on there, so I think that's. Uh, that's a great final boost. So, uh, thanks again for for coming on, man. And uh, you know, hey, maybe we have you on again soon, right? I mean, hopefully, it's not just another thing where it's like we just tell you about the book that you wrote. So, <laughs> we'll do it. We'll 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 try to get the you know maybe two or three times. Maybe we'll do one for every Red Wings win during the season, and uh, that'll oh boy, that'll space it out well. I I, I don't know four four podcasts. Book That's it. a lot. Book right. it. I think we can make it happen. <laughs> all right. All right. Just lost all those pre-orders. Awesome. Oh well. <laughs> oh no. <laughs> Oh, man. <laughs> Once again, we thank you. We thank Mr. Sean McAdoo for stopping by. Um, uh, I will never again wonder what down goes brown means. Uh, <laughs> it, we're, we're all enlightened once more. Uh, so uh, for our final segment on this lovely edition of the For Sure podcast, we're going to have some way too early predictions. Now, Pete, a lot of people like to uh, quibble or uh, uh, be uh, a little bit snarky or unsure about how you uh, define way too early predictions. So um, I'm not going to clarify. <laughs> These are okay. uh, this is this is just our way too early predictions about literally anything, um, and uh, I think it it'll help because obviously as the season goes on, we can, you know. Not tell anybody that we changed our, uh, our our choices, and then make it look like we were uh, smart all along. So, uh, I'm excited to uh, see what uh, both of us are thinking in terms of uh, what we actually want to have or think will have happen around uh, when the season's done. Slash, uh, uh, who's taking home some hardware? So, yeah. Um, I I want to start off with the heart. I'm making a bold early, way too early prediction for the heart. You ready okay. for this? Yeah. John freaking Tavares. 
Oh, see, it's interesting. I thought you were going to go somewhere else, and I'm actually going to piggyback off you once <laughs> once we're done talking about this. And I will I will also make a prediction for the heart, starting with John, but it is a different John. Oh, a different John. Okay, so yeah. so leading off with the John that I said. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, yes, uh, I and I know this is going to sound weird to you, Peter, because this is basically the part where I have to say that uh, the Islanders just did not do everything they could to. To, to turn Tavares into the even to into even more of a beast of a player that he already is, but uh, the way that the Islanders uh, were set up all those years during you know I, I would still consider Tavares in his prime years. I'd say he's got the grizzled veteran uh, magic going for him right now, but obviously he's you know not as young as the number one pick that he was. So uh, I, uh, I I think that. Now that he's surrounded by some of the most absurdly t- talented players that the Leafs have ever had their hands on, um, this is uh, this is taking a, a new car for a spin. This is uh, the engine is tuned up. I think um, before I think maybe Tavares was uh, a little concerned about uh, how much of the load he had to carry for the team, but uh, now that he's in uh, in Toronto and he's surrounded by. Uh, just a cavalcade of horrors <laughs> of, uh, of just uh, extremely talented people. And and they are currently without one of those people because he's currently holding out for more money. That would be Mr. William Nylander. But, uh, he, he, you know, if, when, even if he does sign, he, uh, Tavares is sound, uh, surrounded by probably the most talent he's been able to be surrounded since probably if he was playing in juniors or if he was playing on either an Olympic team or any of the World Cup hockey teams. So, that's only going to make good players better. I, I know you can argue about that because that's kind of the way all-star games have, called, have fallen by the wayside in terms of yeah. what type of product you're going to get on there. Because, yes, you put it, you know, you can always make the, the 1980s Olympic thing where it's like, yeah, the R- Russia beat the NHL All-Stars. It's like, yeah, you're playing a team of guys who don't play together. <laughs> Like, yeah. yes, individually on their own, they are all-stars, but you just can't throw them together on a team and expect them to be cohesive. So I think, you know, yes, I think Austin Matthews is, you know, a very talented piece to the the, the Toronto juggernaut, but uh, my my impression right now is that uh, Tavares is going to be, um, oh, gosh, like it's the it's, – he puts both sides of the double dragon coin together. He, he, he drinks Michael Jordan's secret stuff. And, uh, you know, maybe, I don't know, maybe a Green Lantern ring thrown in there as well. It's just, I think there's, he's only going to be completely improved by having the amount of players around him. And um, he's going to be absolutely integral to whatever the Leafs do moving forward, right? Whatever, whatever they do is going to be contingent upon him. And I think he's going to, I think he's really going to step up and that's why he's getting to guard. So, I've done. I've already said the same thing five times in a row. I think right there. So I'll. Uh, I now. No, I, mean, I now defer to you. <laughs> no, it, it was like we talked about last time when we were talking to, to to Will, where, you know, from from the very beginning, the very first time that I saw Severus play at the uh, the first time I saw it was at the World Juniors before he was drafted, and I was just blown away at how he was able to get open every time. It was unbelievable to me. Um, and so I really thought that that was, you know, a sign that he's a special person, a special player. And I, I definitely think that that continued. Um, 
we are we're recording this segment before we talk to Sean uh, for the interview, even though you're listening to it after. So I don't know if we're going to get into this uh, with him, but I, di- I definitely did want to to bring this up a little bit. Uh Sometimes I, I still go back to the old lighthouse hockey to kind of check in and see how, how Islanders fans are doing, even though I don't really follow the team anymore. Uh, you know, my brother does, my dad does, so some of my friends still do. So, I'm you know, I'm still kind of connected a little bit in that way, I guess like a secondhand connection. But I have to tell you, I was kind of surprised. I guess I shouldn't be, but I was just surprised at the vitriol that the commenters there have for Tavares. Um and again, I, I'm not surprised that they are upset with him. I'm not surprised maybe that they hate him. But just, like, the level was kind of astonishing to me. Yeah? Um, yeah. And and, and, and now, now here's the thing. I don't want to make it sound like I'm I'm talking down about them because I'm not. I mean, people, people can fan how they want to fan. People can be upset if they want to be upset. I'm not trying to say that they're, they're being upset is wrong or something like that. It, it just was surprising to me the level. Um but then at the same time, I mean, like, like uh, imagine if uh, for Detroit fans, if like, you know, when he got to be an unrestricted free agent, Dylan Larkin left the team and went to, you know, Toronto or San Jose or Montreal or any other team. I think Detroit fans would probably be pretty upset at him. Now, yeah. Yeah. N- n- now, granted, the situation, I think, is a little bit different because of the almost comical ineptness. Uh, that the Islander organization <laughs> has been prone to for for a very long time. Um, not every day your yeah. team your team theme song is the Benny Hill soundtrack. It's not. It's... <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, so yeah, I mean, I I, I think it's going to be interesting because I think Tavares is obviously a very very good player, and now just now to have him surrounded by that level of play. I mean, he did have some he did have some good players on the Islanders. Obviously, uh, Barzal. Um, but this year, uh, I'm keeping track of power play stats, uh, on, on some charts that are on my Twitter. And one of the things that's just jumped out at me is the performance of Andres Lee on the, on the mm. Islanders. Okay. Um, individually he has, um, he has the most high danger chances for on the power play in the entire NHL. Mm. Uh, the, uh, he's tied with Wayne Simmons. Love uh, me so some high danger. So to, so to put put that in context, he has five more than uh, John Tavares, who is the highest Maple Leaf on that on that thing, hmm. or, or on that chart. Yep. He, he's also right right near the top in some other categories. Um, so, you know, Anders Lee's a really really good player. I think he's probably one of the more underrated players in the NHL, uh, and I think it's going to be interesting to see, you know, if he has another big season without Tavares. Oh, maybe they'll right. just maybe they'll just credit it to Barzal. <laughs> They're like, oh well, well now now he's getting help from Barzal. And like to be honest, like I said, I don't I don't follow the team that closely. I don't even know if they play on the same power play. You know, I would imagine they do, uh, just because that seems to make sense. But you never know. Sometimes life doesn't make sense. Uh, so I'm going to jump to my uh, early prediction, and I am going to say that the Hart Trophy is going to go to John Gibson. Ooh, because John Gibson is off to an unbelievable start. Uh, for the Ducks, he has he has just faced a ridiculous amount of shots, a uh, ridiculous amount of like really great shots. Let me put it, let me put it this way: <laughs> his high danger save percentage, right? So for people listening who aren't as into stats as, as I am, and and and, and I, I know you you might not be as much as me, but I know you're 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 still you know pretty to to most of the details. So uh, b- basically. 
uh, people have found that high danger save percentage is I don't want to say the best because like with goalies it's really tough like we always talk about but you know if you're just measuring like just straight up save percentage there's so many factors that can go into that that make it not really the greatest stat to use um, so if you're looking at high danger save percentage it's basically most goalies are going to stop the low danger ones and the medium danger. It's the high danger ones where you get a lot of spread in how good they are at stopping them. And John Gibson has a high danger save percentage of 94.4%. Um, he has saved 8.73 goals above average, right? So goals saved above average. Um, they take, you know, what they, what they believe to be the, the average NHL goalie. If he faced that quantity and quality of shots, how many goals would he let in? And John Gibson has saved almost nine more than mm. a league average goalie. Uh, so he's number one. Uh, Lundqvist is, is him and Lundqvist are pretty much far and away the leaders of the pack right now. Uh, Lundqvist is, is a little over six, but yeah, so high, uh, I mean, Gibson is off to an unbelievable start. And so if he can keep this up, I think he definitely has a good chance. Um, so I rambled a bit about the uh, about your pick. So you know, if you want to follow up on that and then get to yours, uh, so we don't we don't go. Super no, long. no, no. That's no, I yeah. think I, I, that's a. I'm I'm actually. I don't know. Maybe I want your pick more because when was the last time a goalie won the heart? You know, mm. like when 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 was the last time that was a thing? I don't know if we can on the spot look well, here, it up pretty quick. If, but... Yeah, yeah. If you want, like, you keep talking. I'll yeah. look it up. Yeah, because I, I I'm. What does is is that a you know is it a you know because I, I don't think, what is that one of those things you know like whether in baseball where it's the oh yeah well the Cy Young is reserved for the best goalie or the best pitcher so it doesn't really stand to reason or it's not really logistical to 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 put him also as the MVP where like mm-hmm. that's that has happened like the like the times where yeah. you know, like Justin Verlander for example you know he's yeah. the MVP and Cy Young winner so like I don't know if the hockey world has the same reverence for those things where it's like listen if you're the best goalie you know the only thing you can really look forward to is, is the Vezina well yeah so okay so for people listening at home you've had enough time to to <laughs> yell at us uh so so here like so it's actually happened relatively recently like so Jay without looking like what's your guess I'll tell you it happened four years ago four years ago so we're talking 2014 2014, 2015. 2014, 2015. Okay, so the Blackhawks won that year, right? Is that right? Or yeah. or no? Because they were – no, 14 – no, 14, 15. No, that was Hawks because that was the shortened season. Okay. Right, so Hawks won that year because the – believe me, I would – I feel like I would remember that depression very clearly. <laughs> mm. So, um, gosh, you know, like, so the Hawks, won, that, that was, that would be a Crawford year, but I don't think Crawford was that much of a, of a heart candidate that year. Cause the fact that he had to fight his way back to, well, he was down. Um, yeah, it, it was the Blackhawks over the Lightning. Yeah. Hawks over the Lightning. Okay. So, well, if it was over the Lightning, you know, we've seen the losers get stuff. Okay. My guess is Ben Bishop. How about that? That is not correct. It was Carey Price. Oh, how could I be so stupid? But, that okay, makes so, so much here's sense, the thing. though. That makes so here's much sense. I am an idiot. Here's, okay. No, it's okay. Like, like here's the thing, because here's your point. Uh, because, like, from looking it up, it actually really, really, really uh, underlines the point that you were making before. Because even though Carey Price won four years ago, let's go back and look at the other most recent goalies to win the Hart Trophy. Okay. So let me ask you a question. In the last 40 years, how many goalies do you think have won the Hart Trophy? Six. Okay. 
So let's let's walk through it, right? So Carey Price in, in 1415. Okay. Then the next one, Jose Theodore <laughs> in 2001, 2002. Whoa, okay. Then, now I'll count this as two. Dominic Hasek won it twice in a row. Okay. Uh, for Buffalo. Uh 97, 98, and 96, 97. I know one of those years was where he basically carried them to the Stanley Cup. Yep. Um, or Stanley Cup final, I'm sorry, because we all know Brett Hall. We all know what happened there. We all know what happened, yeah. Um, all right, so, so, this, so that's, that's up to four, because it's the same person, but I'll, I'll count it. Okay. Scrolling, scrolling, scrolling. We are now in the 70s. And the next person, which was more than 40 years ago, was Jacques Plant. In sixty one, sixty two. Okay, well, if you didn't, then they need to go back to the fifties. So, wow. okay. to win the Hart Trophy as a goalie does not happen very often. Okay. Like you have to have an incredible year, or be Dominic Oshik and basically just be yeah. like a space alien. Okay, yeah. So I was within one slash two, yeah. given that you counted him twice. But okay, all right. So that's okay. That makes that that makes a little bit of sense. You know, hey, you've got. You've got your own trophy goalie. You just know, get your hands off my heart. You know, but uh, that, that's um. <laughs> I was going to say quit playing games with my heart. <laughs> uh, my heart. Uh, <laughs> yeah. yeah. Okay, so right. uh, that that's, that settles our heart stuff. Um, I am uh, very excited to announce that your 2018-2019 Maurice, the Rocket Richard Trophy recipient, will be Patrick Line. I'm, I'm <laughs> well, we can save a little time because that was going to be mine too. So, <laughs> so, so, so let, let's both talk about why our uh, why our Finnish uh, Finnish little son is uh, is going to do it. Because I, I have a really good reason. Um, obviously, I'm not saying your reasoning is not going to be good, but I, have, I I definitely have one saved up. So I'm interested to see what you have to say. I, I think my my reason is just mostly uh, kind of like based on just the uh, the ascent that happened last year that we saw, mm-hmm. and and I think with with all of that experience now. There's, um, uh, a, I, I think he's just the the best. Uh, yes, we're talking. Okay, yes, Matthews is already sh- shooting out of the cannon here, right? But when I watch Patrick Line play, and like there is a play that I usually try to do in NHL 19, where it's kind of like circle along the boards, kind of like by the circle, and then just like try and create some space a little bit to the point where um, there's. Uh, uh, enough of an opening to just like kind of make it look like I'm like I'm doing a, a, a far side deke, but then uh, basically just like wrist it, just like a, a wrist shot, just as quick as possible. And like I see that happening in a, in, a, in a video game, and I'm like, ooh, that's really cool. The only person I've seen able to match that up speed and accuracy is Patrick Line. And last year, the way that I saw him scoring, I, I, I don't know, dude. Like if there were. 10 more games in the season just again i think his acceleration and his uh his quick release are currently unmatched i mean i guess we'll obviously see how uh, given the way matthews has started but man just there's there's something about you can just the way he when he's in the slot or when he's just when he gets just that amount of space i don't know it's like this laser lock system he's just this miss (laughs) it's 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 uncanny because you can see it line up you know everybody watches hockey with that you know, if you watch it long enough, you can obviously tell when a scoring chance is developing to the point where it's like, okay, this is gonna like, okay, you're like, you feel it, you feel it in your in your plums, yeah. you feel yeah. it in your plums, <laughs> a scoring chance or a goal is about to happen. And I, I feel it in my fingers, yeah. <laughs> and I also feel it in my toes. 
uh, goal scoring's all around me and the feeling grows. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, so yeah, I think I think given a and especially with the disappointment of getting eliminated last year, he is going to do everything in his power to ensure a return trip to the playoffs, which means probably having to put the team on his back though, and that's uh, that's going to result in lots and lots and lots of goals being scored. Heaven help the Wings <laughs> if, if their current goals against average can, will, is going to stay the way this way. Um, just like the way David Pasternak uh, established himself currently in the leaderboards against us, uh, Patrick Line could have a field day against us, which will obviously tear my allegiances just to shreds. So, that- well, I mean, like, okay, like as you were talking, I pulled, I pulled this up. Okay, the Winnipeg top six, top line: Kyle Connor, Shifley, and Blake Wheeler. Like, this is from Daily Faceoff. So this yep. is as it currently stands. Second line, Nikolai Ehlers, Brian Little, Patrick Line. Right. So if you if you ever been on uh, if you ever been on um, Daily Faceoff, uh, first of all, if you haven't, you got to go on there. Right? Daily Faceoff, especially if you play fantasy. Uh, but even if you don't, it's it's great. They have line combinations. They have starting goalies for each day, et cetera, et cetera. But what they do is they have this ranking for you know what number of position this player is. Right. So right now, um, their top line they have Kyle Connor as the twenty first left wing. Uh, Mark Shifley is the ninth center, and then Blake Wheeler is the eighth right wing. Uh, together, that line is the seventh first line in the in, in in the NHL, according to this, right? Yeah. But their their second line is also seventh. You know what I'm saying? Like their second line is also so it's like, okay, yeah, you can beat. You know, maybe you can try to shut down the Shifley line, but then you got Patrick Line riding shotgun with Brian Little and Nikolai Ehlers <laughs> on the second line. Yeah. You know, I mean, like it, it's kind of like the like the. Um, like either like like the the Matthews Tavares or the uh, you know Malkin and um, Malkin and Crosby, but for an entire line, yeah. <laughs> and it's just like how do you like how do you do that? Um, it, it's pretty incredible. And then their their fourth line is is ranked the number five fourth line. So they have uh, they have three of their lines are ranked in the top seven, which I haven't had time to go through each each uh, team and. Excuse me. I haven't had to go through each team and see, but yeah. Um, and oh, and by the way, when you look at their defense, um, their second line, comb- their second um, second pairing is number five, and their third pairing is number two. <laughs> so wow. And, and their fir- their first pairing is fifteen. So I mean, that's that's about league average uh, for top line. So I mean, they are, they are just unbelievable. Um, they, they've obviously not gotten off to as good of a start as you would have expected. But they're still they're still right now, you know, if the season ends today, they'd still be third in the division. They'll clinch a playoff spot. Yep. And I think by the by you know, they got off to a slow slow start last year too. I think they're gonna be just fine. Yep. Um so yeah, like I said, that was gonna be my pick as well. Um and I don't really see any need to keep going on it. But <laughs> yeah, Patrick Line Patrick Line is my pick. Um although again, I mean if Austin Matthews doesn't cool down, I mean he could he could definitely be making a run for that, that Rocket Richard uh trophy because there's been there's been some uh, I don't want to say debate because it's not really a debate because as as uh, our guest pointed out in an article this week, even the people that say like is there a, a question of who the best play if 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 it's Matthews or McDavid like which one's better yeah. like they always end up with saying well it's McDavid but it's an interesting question yeah. <laughs> um, but at the same time like if you're talking about shooting. Matthews is clearly better than McDavid. Yeah. Matthews is clearly a better shooter, uh, but McDavid is probably better at 
most of the other things. Uh, and, and, and I mean, that's not to put down Austin yeah. Matthews. I mean, Connor McDavid is just unreal. Uh, if you watch him play, it's just like, you know, you're, you're sitting there in awe of some of the things. Well, it's a classic do. example of somebody's speed slider getting turned down in favor of their shooting, whereas McDavid's his hmm. shooting sliders turned down in favor, yeah. in favor of his speed and, 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 and his vision. Okay. So, yeah. All right, so uh, we have we don't have time to do one more each. We're going to make it a little quick uh, to make sure we can wrap up the show on time. Uh, so mine, uh, my my early prediction, and obviously I'm I'm way out in the weeds on this because I don't know when he's going to return to play. But I am going to say Elias Pettersson is going to break forty goals. Ooh. I'm going to go crazy. I'm going to say he's going to break forty goals because I think it's obvious. I, I, I think I'd probably go with 30, but I am going to be bold here. I'm going to be daring. I'm going to be bold and also daring, and I'm going to go with 40 uh, because I really do think from watching him play, I do think he's a special player. I like. I don't think he's going to be a generational player like you know, like like McDavid, possibly Matthews, depending on on what happens. But I think he's going to be a like the next level down. Like he's going to be a very high end elite okay. player in the NHL from what I've seen. If he can avoid uh, WWE finishing moves. <laughs> yeah, that would. <laughs> yeah. It's, so, so, it's, so what do you got for your last weird. one? It's like almost, it's not supposed to be part of the game. That's weird. It's <laughs> yeah. Weird. It's almost like it's not yeah, a hockey play. Yeah. It's like just a dick move. Um, <laughs> uh, okay. So uh, Ottawa fans, I have to say it. Eric Carlson is going to to be the number one defenseman this season. I think it's a, a, kind of off to a slow start, but hey, you're always going to try and find your legs when you're when you're moving. But I think it the I think Carlson is just going to be um, uh, benefiting from the embarrassment of riches that uh, is the super all time mega awesome. We're really good at the regular season sharks. <laughs> so, uh, I think having, uh, obviously Brent Burns and, uh, Pavelski and Couture and, you know, even with the newly shorn, uh, Joe Thornton, it's, uh, we are in for some filthiness and the fact that yeah. it hasn't started yet means it's going to be even more disgusting when it happens. Yeah. So, um, yeah, so that wraps up our uh, our way too early predictions. We might have a couple more as uh, as the weeks drove on, and then obviously we'll uh, have a better idea as the season begins to mature. But uh, before we close this out, Peter would like to give an awesome reminder about what we're doing with our for shirt sales and other merch. What what are we doing again? Peter? Oh, yeah. So um, at the Wing and Motown website, we are we are donating. Uh, uh, well, I'm oh, sorry. At the Wigan and Motown uh, website, we have we're doing another uh, charity challenge. We're doing another drive, basically, uh, to raise uh, to raise some money for the Concussion Legacy Foundation. If you head to wingingatmotown.com, you can see all the details there. Uh, last year, we raised over twenty three hundred dollars. This year, we're we're trying to top that. Um, so, basically, the way it works is you. Pick a player, uh, or it could be players, and you decide that you're going to donate a certain amount of money at the end of the season for every, so you know everything they do. So, for example, if you pick Dylan Larkin and you say I'm going to pick a dollar for every point he scores, and he scores 50 points, let's say 60 points, right? Then you you would pledge 60 dollars. You can also do a minimum, right? So, like, let's say you're going to say no matter what happens, I'm going to pledge 100 dollars, but I'm going to do two dollar, you know, two dollars for every point somebody scores, or $2 for every, 
every penalty minute that somebody takes or whatever. It could be anything. Um, and then if you, you know, typically if you have like a minimum, you know, so like I'm going to pledge a minimum of $50 or a hundred dollars or whatever. Um, and as long as it's $25 or more, then we are going to do a drawing at the end of the year. And we are going to, uh, to raffle off, a, a Red Wings sweater of your choice to the, to the winner. So as long as you do $25 or more, you will be entered into that drawing and you could possibly get a free Red Wings, uh, jersey, which would be fantastic. Um, and it personalized, right, with, uh, with, with the player of your choice. Um, and so what we're going to do for, for sure is we are going to donate all the proceeds that we make uh, from our, our merch store, which is at tinyurl.com slash for shirt. That's F-E-R-S-H-I-R-T. Uh, we will be donating all of the proceeds that we make from that to the Concussion Legacy Foundation through the month of November. All right, so you have plenty of time to do that. Uh, every so often there's a sale uh, at, 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 on, on Teespring, that, which is the site that we use. So check that out. Um, and also uh, to wrap it up, you can follow us on the social medias. You can follow us on Twitter. Uh, I am at P Flynn hockey. Jay is at the roar underscore 24. Our podcast is at 200 uh, foot pod. That's two zero zero FTPOD. Um, and uh, you can follow uh, Sean McAdoo at down goes Brown, which is again, really easy to remember. Yep. Uh, and also, uh, he has uh, he has a book coming out, but he has several books that, that were out before. There's a book you can get on Amazon, uh, "The Best of Down Goes Brown" from his from his old stuff. Uh, he also wrote a book with Dave Lozo and Greg Wyshynski, an ebook, "The Hundred Greatest Players in NHL History." And uh, his new book coming out is "The Down Goes Brown History of the NHL: The World's Most Beautiful Sport." the world's most ridiculous league. <laughs> yep. uh, so if you enjoyed listening to Sean today on our interview, as I'm sure you did, um, then you can go check that out. You can pre-order it now. It comes out October 30th. And I know uh, that pre-ordering can, can really help an author. So if you like him and you want to help support him, the best thing you can do is pre-order that book. And uh, I just want to let everybody know your, our, our current uh, funding update is we have tens of dollars. <laughs> So uh, we would love to see uh, 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 a situation where we don't have to say tens of dollars. We want to let's let's start uh, repping some for shirts and uh, you know uh, donate some money to the concussion legacy. So um, get after it. And uh, Pete, we'll obviously uh, see them very soon, won't we? Absolutely, absolutely, we will. So th- yeah, so we'll be back at you in a couple weeks. We have another good guest lined up. It's. It's not officially confirmed for in terms of like the time that we're going to record, so I don't want to say who it is yet. Uh, but we do have another really good guest lined up, uh, as as has been usual for for the whole show. We've been we've been really lucky to get such great people to come on and talk yep, to us. Yep. So I'm, hopefully, hopefully, the listeners are enjoying that because I know I know we're having a lot of fun talking. Yeah, and I'm I'm very curious if we'll ever get into a situation where we have to be like Jimmy Kimmel. So um, uh, I think what <laughs> we could do is for every. Uh, interview that's like more than four weeks away we could just say uh, apology james edwards the third we ran out of time <laughs> so yeah uh, yeah but yeah, yeah we'll see you kids soon for sure for sure for sure for sure all right second best fight of the week i say sure, second sure. best fight bob probert ty Domi. Sure. well okay maybe it was the best fight of the week i for think for the best sure. fight of the sure. week was this one coming for up sure. right here yes guys it's just sure, one sure. throwing right hands at LaFave. Sure. Another right hand by Brown. LaFave sure, gets sure, an uppercut. Sure. Down goes Brown! Down goes Brown!